This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, everybody, what is going on? How you doing? Happy Casual Friday. Talk of Buffalo Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. It's been a busy week, man. This is our fourth podcast we've done this week. Did a bonus episode on Monday with Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. Had a regularly scheduled Tuesday podcast. Lance Lazowski from the Buffalo News joined me. And on Wednesday, we did our second Buffalo Bills mock draft. I had Aaron Quinn from Cover One. And then, like I said, man, it's casual Friday. So that means my guest today is the owner of 26 Shirts, the godfather of Bill's Mafia, the movement, my man, Del Reed. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? What's up, man? How you doing? Doing pretty good. So <laughs> let me start right here. Is this going to be, I keep saying this every week now, it's kind of becoming a tradition on our Friday shows. Is this going to be like the fourth Thursday afternoon in a row where we tape something and then something Buffalo Bills related happens like immediately after because we had the Matt Milano incident in week one where we re-signed right after we taped. We had Mitch Trubisky in week two signed with the Bills right after we taped on Thursday. And then last week, I thought we were safe. And it's not as big as the, the first two weeks, but Matt Breida signed with the Bills like right after we had taped on Thursday. So three straight weeks where we talked a little bit of Buffalo Bills anyway, and then lo and behold, they, they go and they, they make another move. So... What's going on for, for today? What's going to happen after we're done? And by the way, I'm really guarded because it's April Fool's. So, like, I'm extra careful with the news I see on Twitter and stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, I've already seen that Richard Sherman has signed with the Bills. I saw that Tom Brady, like, bought the – is expanding the Major League Baseball for the Montreal Expos. He's bringing them back. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's been a lot of interesting tidbits on this April Fool's Day. But – uh, in terms of what we're going to see today, like later on, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, the Sabres won Wednesday night, so that's kind of crazy. Um, if they had played today, I think a lot of people would have thought that was an April Fool's kind of thing. Like, wait a minute. But, um, yeah, I don't know what we're going to see see today. But I'm excited to find out because we know something is going to happen. Oh, yeah, sure. It's a little harder to fool people, I think, with April Fool's now because of Twitter and social media just because there's so many – if you hear some news and you can, you can find out in 20 seconds if it's legit or not, because if something really happens NFL related, Schefter's going to tweet about it. Ian Rappaport's going to tweet about it. You'll know within seconds where maybe back in the day it was a little easier to, to pull off a prank that might last, uh, you know, a little bit longer. But anyway, how you feeling, man? So Dell got his second shot this week, man. And my wife just got her first. So mine's coming up next Tuesday. I'm a little bit nervous about it. How you feeling? We talked on Wednesday and you were a little bit iffy. And again, we taped this on Thursday afternoon, typically for a Friday morning drop. And Dell was a little concerned on Wednesday of how he was going to be feeling for today, but obviously you're doing better. You're here now. So 
how was it and how did you feel like what were your symptoms and and how long did he last you yeah no i uh i got my second pfizer shot on wednesday about quarter after 1 p.m and it's now as of this recording it's thursday 11 20 a.m and outside of like a, a sore arm at the injection site, I feel fine. I mean, I was all ready to take off. <laughs> I was ready to take off at work today. It's like I already had like my whole Netflix, my whole Netflix strategy planned out for today. Uh, I knew what I was going to be watching. You know, uh, just sitting there on the couch being sick. You know, because my wife had the Moderna shot, and she had you know she was it's pretty rough for her that 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 first day after. Um, but I've been great, so no complaints. I'll have to catch up on my Netflix later. But you know, I'm <laughs> happy to be here in the office doing some work. Yeah, I was already making plans to to go to the bullpen if I had to to, to grab someone else as a as a substitute for our casual Friday episodes. Now you mentioned Moderna. My wife got her first shot on Tuesday, and she was okay except for a little bit of a, a sore arm. And she played softball on Tuesday, and, and she was fine. <laughs> and then she went and then she went out because and I'm going to be honest with you, I was a little bit suspicious not to throw my wife under the bus here. But Tuesday night she plays ball, and that's kind of like her Tuesdays is her night with her friends to mm-hmm. to hang out afterwards. And they always end up at this bar down here in Florida. Long story short, she was out later than she should be on a work night. You know, she had a couple pops. We'll we'll put it that way. So anyway, she woke up Wednesday and was tired and drained and said that she didn't feel good. And my first thought is, yeah, you know, that sounds like a hangover <laughs> to me, man. It sounds like somebody who stayed out a little bit too late, but anyway, um, she was in bed literally all day. She was feeling the effects of, of the shot. And I don't know, maybe it's different for, well, it's obviously different for everybody because everyone's immune system and body reacts different in different shots. And I don't know how different Moderna might be the Pfizer or the Johnson and Johnson. I'm sure it varies with people. But anyway, she, for her first shot, like I've heard a lot of stories about the second shot having more side effects than the first, but for her first shot, I mean, she was sore. Obviously, her arm, I'm talking about her body was sore and she was just completely drained. Like she spent the vast majority of all of Wednesday, day and night, laying around in bed or moving to the couch, but that was about it. And when I had my first shot, I was kind of the same way. I was sore. And then later that night, I just got really tired and I kind of, not kind of, I did pass out, man. I, I slept like a rock. So I don't know. My, my, I'm getting my second shot next Tuesday. I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit nervous, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm a sissy. I don't, I don't like pain and I don't like being well, sore and all that stuff. So <laughs> my buddy, uh, he had the Pfizer shot and he said the next day he was fine. And then the day after that, he had a splitting headache that was just terrible, but then he was fine that third day. Man, I hate headaches. I'd rather just be sick in bed for a day than yeah. I'm, already, I'm already like, you know, like doing what I can, all the good juju I can think of and staying hydrated and drinking, you know, just trying to take care of myself today because I am not here for that headache tomorrow if that comes. But, you know, really with this kind of thing, everybody's immune system is different. Everybody's genetics are different. They, they know so little about this. Uh, I shouldn't say they know so little. I think that the world has some like, you know, COVID-19 or coronavirus experts obviously now but in terms of historical um you know facts to go back on like they're still learning a lot of this stuff so who knows who knows I'll, i think five years from now and i've said this before five years from now we're going to learn stuff about this virus that we had no idea about right now like certain blood types it was a lot harder to get or certain types of blood like people reacted to it differently by the way my wife did have covid before so she had it last year and she told me yesterday that the reaction from the 
the the shot was rougher for her than when she had COVID. Now, obviously, not making light of COVID, people obviously have passed away from it or, or have gotten really sick. But a lot of people have been asymptomatic, and her symptoms were really mild when she had it. But yeah, it was it was pretty rough. Anyway, you know, we'll see what I have. I'm taking precautions for next week because usually on Tuesday night I'll tape. So every Wednesday between now and the draft, I'm doing a Bills mock draft, and I'm doing it with Aaron Quinn, and we usually tape it on Tuesday night. But just to to be safe, I'm going to tape that on Monday night just in case I feel shitty all of uh, Tuesday after I get it. Now, you mentioned the Sabres, by the way. 18-game winless streak coming to an end Wednesday night. Pretty good fashion, too. I mean, they whooped Philly 6-1. to one. It was, uh, I, I know, like you've said this before on the show, you, you like hockey, watching hockey better than football. It, it's more fun to watch. It's been hard to watch this team this year. I thought I'd be... I'm much more cynical than you are. And again, we've talked about this on the podcast. You're Del Reed and everyone knows this is a positive person. You you try to find the positivity in anything where uh, I'm not the same. Let's just put it that way. Right. But <laughs> I thought I'd be making fun of this team. I'm like, all right, so they're going to win a game and I'm going to have all these clever tweets and, you know, talk about them sarcastically on the podcast. It's like at hockey, you know, when a goalie's struggling, when there's fans and, and he makes a save. And they call it a Bronx cheer, like the fans sarcastically cheer because he made a save. I was going to kind of be like that when they finally won a game. But I don't know, dude. I actually genuinely felt really good last night, man. It, it felt good for for the players and, and these coaches. I was really happy. I, I'm taking it for granted to win hockey games because everyone does it. But the Sabres don't. Eight in a row, they didn't win. So I don't know, man. I, it just felt really good to see the Sabres win a game on Wednesday night. I don't know about you. I'm sure you felt good seeing it too, but yeah, nothing sarcastic to say. I'm happy they finally won a game, man. Yeah, no, good for them. Uh, it, it is funny that it was Philadelphia the, <laughs> who holds the record for most losses in a row. So they, they it was like a double dip in terms of a uh, shame for them. But uh, no, it's, uh, you know, I'm happy for the team, the players. You know, this has been a terrible season and it really stinks. I think we talked about this before how we didn't even have hockey since last March, right? And it's, we went so long without it. And then, you know, for for hockey to return for Buffalo and have it be like this was just, you know, I think people are miserable. But um, good for the players because I'm sure they, they feel it 10 times worse than, you know, the angriest fan feels it or the most upset fan. I mean, this, this is their livelihood, you know? Um, so good for them. And, and to your point about the being positive and always looking for the positive, don't get me wrong, dude. I have negative feelings. I have negative <laughs> perspectives. I just choose not to dwell on them. You know, right. in terms of mental health or whatever, I, I choose not to yeah. you know, spend too many uh, brain cycles getting upset, certainly about things I can't control. Yeah, I'll see. I'm the opposite, man. I just, I can't let shit go. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's just how I'm built. But anyway, they've played better since they fired Ralph Kruger. I mean, the results, they haven't had the results to show for it. I mean, they were up 3 nothing on, what was it, Monday night? And then they blew it in the, that was like the most Sabres, Sabres-ish loss that I've seen in quite a while. They blew a three, nothing lead in the third period, ended up losing four, three. But anyway, my point was they've been playing better. And back in what, five, six years ago, whatever it was when the Sabres spent pretty much two years tanking, is a really divided fan base because you had half the fans who hated the tank because you just don't want, like my, my father, man, you want, my father-in-law wanted to kill me when I was watching games with him and rooting for them to lose. It's like, what the hell's wrong with you, man? What kind of fan are you? You know, so 
there was that side. Then there was the side that tanking was going to lead them to getting Conor McDavid or, or ultimately Jack Eichel, which they got Jack Eichel. Anyway, my point was there was a reason to want them to lose. Right now, I don't, I want them to finish well. Like you would say, you, you'd think you would say, eh, they're at the bottom of the, of the league right now. Let's get a top pick and I'm good with them losing. I'm not. I want them to turn it around and finish this season well because I think a lot of these young guys, and we've also learned, Dell, that tanking has negative effects too. It really does. I mean, sure, you you got Jack Eichel, but you really get a losing culture inside that building, and, and I do think that matters. And I want some of these young guys like Dylan Cousins and, and Bryson and Rasmus Dahlin to start feeling what it what it's like to win more. You know what I mean? So I, I think that's important. I think it could help with the offseason. So my mindset's kind of changed. I don't want the Sabres to lose. And by the way, they're also like nine points clear of last place. So they're probably, even if they play reasonably well over these last 21 games, they're still probably going to finish dead last anyway. I want to see them win more games is what I'm telling you. I don't I don't care about tanking or, or the losing because it might make more changes. Let's win a couple games, get these guys some positive feelings. Maybe a couple guys who might end up getting traded here or a free agent might want to come here if they start playing better. I, I, I just think it's important for this team to, to play well and start winning more. I'm not rooting for them to lose is my long-winded point here. Yeah, I'm done rooting for – I mean, I, I was always kind of on the fence during the tank time anyways. Like, I had mixed emotions about, you know. Where did you land with that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I would go back and forth, like, up until, like, the season was almost over. I, I guess maybe towards the end, like, I was like, all right, it's done. You know, and I think it was, like, uh, was the uh, Jonathan Taze when he scored that goal. Uh, yeah. And they kind of secured it for the Sabres. But even then, though, they went through all that trouble and they ended up with number two. They didn't even end up with Connor McDavid. Right. And don't disrespect to Jack Eichel, but you know that Tim Murray's eyes were on Connor McDavid. You could tell even by the answers he was giving to to reporters immediately following, like immediately following like the the lottery. He was upset. He wanted Connor McDavid, and it didn't work. So, I mean, Jack Eichel is a terrific player, and I you know I would love to see this team do well with 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 him on the roster, but um, see, I've already given more thoughts to hockey <laughs> than I have all season, you know, because as much as I love watching it, like, I, and I, I love the Sabres. I, I can't follow it too intently just because for others can, that's great. I don't, there's just too much content in the world. So I'll, I'll watch the games and I'll follow the headlines and stuff, but like, I'm typically neck deep. But, in, but are you, uh, but are you, football. are you good with admitting that, Part of the reason why, because you're hundred percent right. I mean, you got a lot going on in your life. You got a family, you got your job. There's a lot of content in this world, but if the team was better, if they were winning, I feel like you probably would be making a little more of an effort to watch them regularly and, and care a little bit more. I think the losing, and this is part of the, the whole tanking and losing on purpose, the culture, which we, we hear that word all the time, culture. I do think it matters with a lot of fans because I mean, let's face it, Mike, if this team was winning more, I think you would be a little more emotionally invested with your time when it comes to watching them, right? Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, I remember during that that 10-game win streak, which now feels like it was 13 years ago, um, right. during that 10-game win streak in November or October or whatever, November, I think, um, I was dialed in. Like, it, it was fun, you know? And so maybe you could call me a, a, a Fairweather fan a little bit, but I don't think that's fair because 
like I said, I follow them, but like I find the time to, I, I, you know, I make time when they're doing well and getting into it. Um, I don't, I don't hate them when they're doing poorly. I don't disavow myself of them. I'll still be out wearing saber shirts and hats and stuff. I still, you know, love the sabers, but it's just like you said, or like I said, <laughs> the content, man, there's just too much, too much content. And when, you know, when, when it's a frustrating endeavor, I can't, I can't sacrifice the the time for it on a Thursday night or a Wednesday night or, or whatever, when I got you know, my family and everything else. Now, when they're doing well, then it's a, it's a horse of a different color. You know, that's in juxtaposition of the bills where no matter what's going on, <laughs> no matter what is going on with the Buffalo bills, I am, I am there, you know, all the way to, you know, clock hit zero, no matter what the season is like. This football's much bigger. Football's religion in, in Western New York. If you're a Western New Yorker, football's religion to you. I think that's uh, the kind of, and there's nothing wrong with having that stance towards the Sabres and hockey. It's kind of like a movie. I mean, if, if there's a movie and you've heard a lot of good things about it, you're going to make a bigger effort to see it than if you've heard a lot of, of bad things about it. I'm not saying that you won't watch the movie if enough people tell you it sucks or if you have a vibe that it, you know, that it sucks, but you probably ultimately you'll still end up watching it. It's just the way it goes. And it's goes, goes back to that tanking and losing culture thing. It's one of the all time Buffalo great debates to me. Like we could spend hours talking about if the tank worked or if it didn't work because it brought some good things and it brought some bad things. But anyway, one thing we don't have to worry about anymore anyway with, with the Buffalo Bills is, is that feeling, that losing feeling if they're they're still worth watching because obviously they're good. Nothing really happened big this week since we talked last. Uh, a few linebacker depth signings, uh, Terrell Adams and, and Markel Lee just signed on, actually both on Wednesday. Uh, I like the moves. I mean, I, I mean, they're roster battle signings. I don't think they're anything that really impact too much. Of course, assuming that Edmonton and Milano could both stay healthy, which both of them got hurt last year. So these are the kind of signings that, you know, we don't spend a lot of time talking about now and hopefully we don't have to during the season, but it is possible. But the running back thing seems to be the, uh, the flavor of the month right now. Everyone's got a pretty strong take on if the bills should take a running back, even after uh, signing Matt Breida last week. And by the way, I got to throw some props. Um, Buffalo rumblings on YouTube live on, on Wednesday night, Joe Miller has hump day hotline. Usually Jay Spence is with him, but he was only there for a few minutes. Anyway, he had uh, Joe Marino, who we end up talking about him every week on this podcast because he's great. Locked on Bills and, and Bruce Nolan from the Bruce Exclusive. And they had a really good, I'm not sure it was meant to be a debate, but it was a discussion about running back in the first round and if it's good value or not. And Bruce is very much against taking a running back in the first round, no matter what, because he just thinks that it's, very poor value financially, contractually, and what it does to move the needle for the team being good. By the way, all I'm saying is that there are some really good points. I really strongly encourage any Bills fan to go check it out. I don't even know if it's an audio podcast. It might only be on YouTube, but again, look it up. It's a go to the Buffalo Rumblings podcast channel and Hump Day Hotline. It was really good. I know we've kind of and I know you don't have a really strong opinion about it one way or the other, but have you worked yourself into a mindset where you really don't care what the Bills do in the first round because of, you know, like we've talked about that trust that you have right now in this organization. Like, is there a position where, like, when you look at this roster right now as a fan that you're like, man, I really hope they address this early based on 
what they've done in free agency because I think unless they make a trade, I think they're pretty much almost done. Like they might sign a low-key guy or two, but I don't think they're going to make any splashy things unless it's a trade. So what you see is probably what you get with this roster. Going into this draft, is there anything you look at and you make, man, I really hope they address this? You know, I listened, and I don't remember if we talked about this last week or if I listened to it earlier this week, I forget. But I'll double down. I don't care. Um, I listened to uh, Marcel Louis-Jacques on the Lockdown Bills podcast within this past week. And he was on there with Joe, and they were talking about, like, Travis Etienne. And one thing that Marcel was very clear, he says, I'm not about drafting the best running back available at 30. I'm about drafting Travis Etienne at 30. He's, I'm all about the player, not the position. And, you know, listening to that, I think he kind of convinced me that, that I, I would not be upset if the Bills were to draft him um, at 30. Because when you look at the offense, having that speed at the running back position would be, <laughs> would be really nice. Would be really nice. And um, so, you know, again, I trust them fully, but I could, I could get excited about them drafting Travis Etienne at 30. Well, there's a there's a point to both sides, and I certainly see the both both sides. Like Marcel is very vocal about Travis Etienne. I love Travis Etienne too, so I I would be thrilled to have him. I think a player like him or one of these top two other running backs, there's Javante Williams from North Carolina and Najee Harris from Alabama. I think that any of those guys step in, and I think they're the number one running back from day one. So you can look at it and say they are going to make the Bills' offense better right now. Bruce Nolan's point, and it's one that is very compelling and convincing, is you got to look at team building and running backs, they don't get second contracts or they shouldn't get second contracts because they're just too expensive and they're not worth it, frankly. I mean, look at the deal that Aaron Jones just signed with Green Bay, like four years, 54 million. I'm like, yeah, that's a crazy amount of money to pay, pay a running back. And you do get that fifth year if you sign them that fifth year option, but I mean, it, basically a fifth-year option is sort of like a mini franchise tag because you're paying them whatever the percentage is of that position, which ends up being a lot of money. And this is a passing league, and this is something on the Hump Day Hotline Wednesday night that Bruce kept um, hammering. This is a passing league. You want guys who can move the needle, whether it's quarterbacks or offensive linemen to protect a quarterback or wide receivers or tight ends or on the other side of the ball, guys who can get after the quarterback or guys in the secondary or linebackers who could cover. Those are premium positions. A running back in today's NFL doesn't move the needle that much in the passing game. And he kind of referenced the Chiefs a little bit. Kansas City drafted a running back in the first round last year. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, great running back. But do you think they regret that? And this is a question Bruce posed, and, I'm, and he's right. Do they wish they could have, would have taken an offensive tackle? I mean, look what happened to them in the Super Bowl, you know? They got manhandled. That defensive line from Tampa just manhandled them. It's a... Dude, I understand that. And I understand the whole team building concept and being in a dynasty league with Bruce. I I know where he is coming from. That guy has got reportedly spreadsheets upon spreadsheets just about his, you know, his dynasty team. Um, But so I understand like the analysis he puts into it. Here's the thing. And I'm... I'm not saying... I mean, Travis Kelsey, like, beat the, the heck out of the Bills in the AFC Championship, right? Sure. I mean, they, 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 
you know, you and I probably could have caught some passes against the way they were covering Travis Kelsey if we were covered the way. <laughs> sadly, sadly, yeah, yes. Yep. The way they were covering him in that game. But all that to say, if I can remove that equation, if they can get their their that defensive scheming uh, taken care of, the Bills are right there, dude. They're right there on the cusp. I don't care if this running back is going to get a second contract. I don't care. I want any player they can bring in at any position, whether it's coverage and linebacker or corner or whatever, or it's a running back, to add that last dimension to the offense. That's the last thing this offense needs is a speed running back. They, they, they have all the bases covered from the, you know, from the line to the receivers, obviously to the quarterback. If they had that speed guy there in the backfield, I'm like speaking really loudly. I apologize. I'm probably yelling into the microphone, but like this, that is the last frontier for this offense is getting that position taken care of. It, the bills are one win. No, the bills are, we're two wins away from something that you and I have never seen in our entire lives. No one has seen ever. There are two wins away. And so I'm not interested in building up depth long-term at certain positions on the roster. I want any player they can bring in that is going to upgrade that position that he plays immediately across the, you know, across the team. And if you were to bring in somebody like Travis Etienne, the running back position is upgraded immediately for the Buffalo Bills. So I think I just talked myself into it. That's that's what I want. <laughs> I didn't think this would be possible, and I'm not saying this to insult you because you're a fan. Bruce Nolan is, well, so he's a fan, and so is Joe Marino. They're both fans, but this is what they do. They break down the bills. They analyze things to death, and they're very smart. But you kind of, I was leaning towards what you say to begin with, and what you say is very convincing. Look, this team, the win, they're not going to have a better window to win a Super Bowl than they do right now. And if you look at the 30th pick, which, by the way, we spend so much time talking about the first pick. It's more it, A good draft is far more than just whoever they take with the first pick. You can make an argument that those second, third, and fourth round guys are really end up being the core of, of great football teams. But anyway, you look at that team right now, this team right now, and you say any other position— if they draft, I mean, let's just go down a list real quick here. If they take a receiver at 30, they're going to be that, they're probably going to be the fourth receiver. Maybe the fifth receiver, though they will be the fifth receiver to begin. Because you got Diggs, you got Sanders, you got Beasley, and you got um, Gabe Davis. So any wide receiver, even a first rounder, is going to start out as the fourth or fifth receiver. The tight end, there's not a tight end in the first round that's a first round talent. Other than Pitts, who's going to be way long gone. Um. You look on the offensive line, you could convince me maybe that if an elite guard is there, he could get drafted and he could start right away over John Feliciano. I could see that happening. So I'm willing to hear a case right now for a dominant guard because he will help your football team right now in 2021. Defensive end, nah. You're not going to get a defensive end who's probably going to be the fourth or fifth edge rudger off the board who is going to come in as a rookie and start and play 70, 75% of the snaps. That's not going to happen. Not on this team this year. Defensive tackle, ditto. Defensive tackles generally take a couple years to develop. I mean, Ed Oliver is a top 10 pick. We're going in the year three. We still don't quite know what we got with him. Linebackers, I mean, hell no. You got Edmonds and Milano, case closed. You got two great safeties in Hoyer and Pied. 
Did I say it right the time? Poyer and Hyde. Every time I say every time I say those guys' names together, I always say it wrong. I've done it like three times with you now. But anyway, you're good there. So offensive guard and then maybe CB2. Cornerback two. If you can find a guy at 30 who is better than Levi Wallace right now as a rookie and could start, you could argue that he would make a bigger impact. But outside of maybe CB2 and maybe a really good guard, taking a running back right now makes your offense better right now, week one in the NFL season, because, and I've said this before, I am completely, I'm selling on Devin Singletary. I do like Zach Moss. I think this organization likes Zach Moss a lot. Not sure how they feel about Singletary. I know they're saying the right things, but I, I don't think that they trust him. I, I've been pretty vocal about that. But yeah, you get a Travis Etienne, and no one talks about Javante Williams. I like him a lot, too. I think those guys come in, and they're both better than Moss right away. So that does bring an element, and you could also argue that, yeah, this is a passing league, but a good running back makes you respect the run more. So, you know, you might have to bring more guys up into the box, so maybe that opens things up. It's fascinating to me, and, and it's really nice to be in a position where your team is good and, and you trust them. Because it, let's face it, I mean, again, for 17 years, Dell, we would have been second guessing no matter what they do. <laughs> if they, when they take somebody, we'd be second guessing it because we had that loser's mentality, kind of like the Buffalo Sabres, unfortunately, have right now. But that's, that's not really the case. You know what the biggest thing to me is? The quarterback. Isn't it nice to go into the, to an offseason? Like even a year ago, we didn't know what Josh Allen was going to become last year. We still had questions, just like Miami has questions right now about Tua. But we don't really have those questions anymore. They were answered. Dude finished second in MVP voting. He's only, what, 25 years old, 24, 25 years old? He still might be ascending. It's nice to have an offseason where for all the thing, little petty things, because these are petty, all, all these things are petty compared to a quarterback. You know what I mean? It's nice to not have to worry about that, ain't it? Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I was saying at the during the playoffs this this past season was, you know, this is the best chance the Bills are going to have because they probably have to sign Josh Allen to a huge contract next year. Yeah, they're probably going to, and then then they lose flexibility at all of these other positions. Well, guess what? Here it is. It's April first, and Josh Allen has not signed a new massive contract yet. So I don't know when. To, that works in terms of timeline. I don't know if that's next off season. I don't know if that's later this year. I've, I've, I'm not a salary capologist. I don't understand how that all can shake out, but um, I'm thinking now that this, you know, 2021 is the new 2020, right? <laughs> it's yeah. like, this is the window. This is it. Whatever you have to do. I I'll trust, you know, the front office to bring in whoever, whoever it is they think they need to, that's going to get them over the hump in this draft. So, I mean, my my logic says somebody like uh, like Travis Etienne. If there's another player, if they think we really need this corner, or if this tackle or defensive end at thirty is going to put us over the top, then fine. But you've got to think at that point. You know, based on you know the limited reading I've done with this NFL draft, I'm sure there are people that have read volumes more than I have. But um, in terms of what I'm what I've been reading, it seems like BPA is going to be. Travis Etienne at 30. That's what it sounds like to me in terms of if like, he's there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If, he, if he's there. Right. So uh, mm-hmm. if he's not there, then I don't care. Pick whoever. But um, and if they pick whoever anyways and they let him go past them, then that's fine, too. Like, I, yeah. I, I trust that they, they got the team this far. Nobody else has got the team this far. 
Yeah, we Decades, we, ain't throwing, so. we ain't throwing our phone up against the wall if they draft a guard or if they draft a corner or if they draft the defensive end with that pick because and it, it's short-sighted to say anything else. And by the way, I do agree 100%. Like, they're never going to have a better window to win. Like, who knows how long the window might last? It might last for the next five years. This team could be a contender for the next five years with, with this core of players. But you mentioned Josh Allen. They are going to have to re-sign him to a mega deal. Maybe that comes this summer or it comes next offseason, but that, that's not it. Stephon Diggs is going to get a raise. Tremaine Edmonds, they're going to make a big decision. I mean, that's your middle linebacker. They're going to pick up that fifth-year option. I, well, I shouldn't say that. I don't know if they're going to or not. But if he plays well, he's going to be in line to for a very big payday. So, I mean, right off the bat, that's three guys. They only lost John Brown. That's the only significant player, I think, that they've lost this offseason, and they replace him with Emmanuel Sanders, who arguably is a better player to begin with. So the roster is right now, but in terms of stress, like I kind of mentioned with Josh Allen, it's just nice to to not have to deal. It's been so long. I mean, up until now, even again, a year ago, we didn't know what we were going to have with Josh. We basically have spent 20 years or so at this time of year, always wondering if we had our guy. And now we don't have to worry about that. And that's a luxury that not a lot of teams enjoy. I mean, you look around this league right now, Dell. So you got, and I'll run through some of them. So you got Miami, Tua. He was okay as a rookie. But, I mean, he's got a lot to prove, just like Josh Allen did. So they're probably in that same boat we were a couple of years ago. New England, Cam's not their answer. The Jets are going to be starting over. They're probably going to take Zach Wilson with the second pick. Um, Big Ben for Pittsburgh. He's at the end of the road. Houston's a mess at quarterback. Who knows what if Deshaun Watson's ever going to play there again, or if he's going to play anywhere again. Um, Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence is he comes with great um expectations, but he ain't done nothing in the NFL yet. So that's you know, they got to see that come to fruition. You got Denver, I think they're a mess at quarterback. Washington's got Fitzpatrick playing for his 10,000 team right now. That's not a long-term answer. Is Danny Jones the guy with the Giants? Is Jalen Hurts the guy with Philly? Um, Kirk Cousins overrated. Jared Goff in Detroit. Who knows how that's going to play out? Andy Dalton's a starter in Chicago. These are all teams. Jameis Winston with New Orleans. What's Carolina going to do? There's a lot of teams right now. They got a lot of quarterback issues and and anxiety and stress with their fan bases. I'm just saying that's really nice to be in the position finally that we're in right now, where we can worry about a lot of other things, but this ain't one of them. You know? Yeah, it's a beautiful place to be, and it's. Certainly unfamiliar territory. Yeah, I don't know how to act. By the way, baseball starts today, completely unrelated. So we're again, we're taping this Thursday. Are you a baseball guy, or you probably, or do you not have time in your life for baseball? Like you know, I, yeah, I like yeah. the idea of baseball. <laughs> Big you baseball know. fans in Buffalo are very few and far between. I've learned that at least amongst media, podcasting, blogging friends that I have, very few people really care about much about baseball. Yeah, I'm not a hater. I, I, I have an appreciation for, you know, the love that people have for it. And, you know, our best selling shirt <laughs> ever at 26 Church is a baseball shirt with that Buffalo Blue Jays design we did. So I guess the Blue Jays have a soft spot in my heart now. I mean, helped us raise you know, almost 70 grand for two different food banks. So that's good. Um, but really, in terms of like, and I've tried to get into like with you know, the Chicago line. So I tried to get into the Cubs and just try, tried to, to embrace you know, baseball and just hasn't took, which is, which is fine. You know, I, I, it's, I, I don't mind going down to 
you know, see the Bisons play a couple times a year and just sit in the sun and have a couple of hot dogs and not do anything. Stare at my phone and look up and now and then and see players running around the field. It's not bad. It's not the bad way to spend an afternoon. Man, there's some mornings where you wake up and you're just feeling ready to just pull those covers right back over your head and go back to sleep all day. We've all been there, so no judging, of course. But let's make having the most comfortable sheets the biggest reason why we're doing that. You know what I'm saying? You don't love your sheets? That's all right, because guess what? Brooklinen has you covered. What is Brooklinen, you ask? Well, let me tell you. Brooklinen was started by Rich and Vicky, who also tried to find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg. They didn't do that, but instead they did even something better. They found Brooklinen, which is the first direct-to-consumer bedding company, and they work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury level markups. That's the big thing. Brooklinen has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit all your needs and all your tastes. Brooklinen has over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. Man, I'd be lucky to have 15. They got 50,000 and counting. And they're so confident that you're going to love their products. They're going to offer a 365-day money-back guaranteed. That's right. One year money-back guaranteed. Unbelievable. And by the way, Brooklyn is so much more than sheets. Man, they got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear, and so much more. You want in? Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code BUFFALO to get 25 bucks off when you spend 100 bucks or more, plus free shipping. Again, that's Brooklinen, B-R-O-O-K, L-I-N-E-N dot com and a promo code Buffalo to get 25 bucks off when you spend $100 or more plus free shipping. Brooklinen.com. Use promo code Buffalo at checkout. All right, let's talk about 26 shirts for a couple of minutes here. By the way, I looked it up. 1094000 $349 have been raised. That's, that's absolutely incredible. By the way, and I went through my notes because I wrote some notes down yesterday and then I went and updated this shortly before we started recording. Like four grand in a day, man. I had to change the number by like four grand. I'm like, damn. So <laughs> that's, yeah. that's incredible, man. Well, today's the first day of the second quarter. So we have some stuff that we offer all the time, uh, like a lot of our mafia gear and our Hall of Fame designs and stuff. So those those donations are made quarterly. So that's why on, you know, April 1st and, you know, July 1st and whatever, you'll see, well, you'll normally see a big jump <laughs> yeah. because the past three months, donations are all being computed and, you know, sent to where they need to go. But that's really yeah, cool. It's insane. We're closing in on $1.1 million. Yeah, that's, that's unbelievable. All right. So new shirt, volume eight shirt 22 this week, kicking bass, a cool black shirt with, Red lettering and a wild bass fish with number two on it for, for Tyler Bass. He had an influence in his shirt. He, actually, he, he modeled this shirt. How, how did that come about? Got to ask you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he had some input into the design. He had a lot of input into the design. We were going to do one thing. And then he said, can you make it like where the, the fish is doing the flex like I did in the one playoff game? <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're like, sure. So we, you know, Josh, our creative director, drew a, a flexing, you know, uh, bass 
you know, fish and, uh, you know, Tyler signed off on it. I wanted it to say bass kicker. I thought that would have been pretty funny, but he said <laughs> two variations and, um, he liked kicking bass. But for me, I just thought bass kicker was great, but whatever. It's as long as everybody else likes it. What do I know? So, um, every time I hear his name or see that, I, I always think of the dumb and dumber would kick his ass sea bass. Every time I ever hear the word bass, but it, it, it's really cool. It, yeah. It, it definitely, I want to get one for sure. Let me read the capsule because I, we do this every week. We spend a few minutes highlighting the story mm-hmm. behind the shirt, because I think that's very important for listeners to know. This week's about Sean Sterner. So here, here's the capsule. 51-year-old Sean Sterner is facing a grim diagnosis of inoperable stage four prostate cancer. This diagnosis is directly related to a genetic defect called Lynch syndrome, which leaves him susceptible to a variety of cancers. After various treatments, including immune immunotherapy, radiation, chemo, geez, I'll get it right. Hormone shots, his cancer is spread. And his prognosis is poor. Fiercely loyal to Buffalo, Sean loves cheering on his home team and bowling in his free time. He also greatly enjoys watching movies with his wife, Michelle, and daughter, Caitlin. Funds raised will go directly to medical costs associated with fighting cancer. Unfortunately, Sean has only been able to work for about eight months out of the last three years due to extreme pain and fatigue associated with treatment. Sean would like to say thank you from the bottom of his heart to everyone. He knows that the love, support, and prayers he has received have been amazing. He is dedicated to improving and pushing forward. He fully plans on being the miracle that we read about from time to time. Let me get your comment on this specific campaign. Yeah, no, we're excited to help Sean. And, you know, he's 51, I'm 45, so he doesn't have too many years on me. Um, you know, just immediately, you know, I often see, you know, myself or, you know, my family or, or however these people were helping. It's just, you know, you look for however you can empathize with these situations as, as best you can. And um, sucks. You know what I mean? This poor guy for the past, you know, three years, it says he's worked eight months and uh, we just want to do what we can to help. That, yeah. That's at the end of the day. That's what it all comes down to. Every, every time we talk about one of these, these families that we're helping, it just, it always comes down to, we just want to do what we can to help, you know? Yeah. And so if people are excited about, you know, kicking fish and, uh, you know, <laughs> silly designs and the team they love. If we can find a way to take that and turn it into something good, in this case for Sean, then we're going to do that. Yeah, for sure. And by the way, Tyler Bass has become a popular player on the Bills, man. And really big rookie year after a horrible start, but he really turned around and became um, one of the good players on this team. So I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. Also, you still got until April 4th. So there's still a couple more days for the Allen is Buffalo shirt that benefits Amanda Allen, which I said is one of my favorite designs. Personally, this is my opinion of all time. Let me ask you something else too. How long did it take from your memory? And we might, we're going back here now. How long did it take before you could start to like, remember what you're doing here at 26 shirts, really starting to, to gain momentum and become a success? Like, did it happen for, for you early with like the early shirts? Did it take a while to really kick in and, and catch on from what you can remember? What was that process like early on? I certainly never thought it was going to become my vocation. That's for sure. <laughs> like I didn't think that this was going to be waking up and going to work every morning doing this, but um, I kind of hoped it would be, but didn't really know if that's where it was going to lead. Um, I, I remember very shortly after we launched or just as we were about to launch or something like that, you know, cause it was going to be just a one year community service project, 26 shirts. And that was gonna be the end of it, you know, every two weeks. Um, and then early on, 
it seemed like this might actually like have some staying power, you know, because nobody else locally was doing it. There's a bunch of companies now um, which are offering a lot of timely designs and everything, but nobody was doing it consistently. Um, and it seemed like there was an appetite for it. And, and so, you know, and the, you know, the first year, you know, we, I think all together we raised $54,000 over the, that whole first year. Um, so that kind of gave me the idea that, you know, there might be something here that we can kind of continue to grow and everything. But I would say these realizations, I mean, I'm, I realize that every day, every day I'm like, how the heck, how is this happening? Like, how am I in the middle of this? You know, um, just, you know, super, you know, blessed to be able to do it and to work with the people I work with. And um, none of it is taken for granted. And, you know, my goal now is as this company grows outside of continuing to help people as much as possible, right? Outside of that, my goal is just to, you know, hopefully create a cool work environment where we can create jobs and we can get people away from the real world jobs <laughs> and <laughs> we can focus on like making sweet t-shirts and helping families in need. I mean, there, I can't think of a better, a better job than that or a better, you know, cause to align with. So yeah, as the company grows, I, I just want to make this a cooler and cooler place to work. Um, not for the sake of just being cool, but I want, I want to be somewhere where people feel appreciated. And I'm not just saying this because they're all in the room with me right now, but like somewhere where people can feel appreciated and they don't have to, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of, it's funny, we call it casual Friday, you know, this segment, you know, on, on your podcast, but I'm a big proponent of like, come to work, however you feel comfortable to work, however you're going to get that gold on the, I don't, people don't have to come here and play dress up. They don't have to, you know, you know, wear, you know, business casual or a suit or anything like that. Like to show up and wearing, you know, jeans and a t-shirt or shorts, if it's nice out, like, let's just, let's take that out of the equation and let's just focus on, you know, doing a good job. I'm yeah. totally rambling now. So feel free to edit all this out. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, man, this is, this is part of the, this is casual Friday, bro. This is what I like about this. Uh, what we do on Fridays. This is more of the, the conversational type of of show that I, that I want to have. I don't just want to talk bills and I don't want to just talk savers. You know, I wanted to ask you something else too, because we talked maybe a week or two ago. I can't, I think it was two weeks ago about the process of people reaching out to you saying, this is our issue. Or I know somebody who has, who's sick and can you help us? And we spent some time talking about that. What about people have people, I should say, do they reach out to you solely to try to give you ideas for a shirt design. Like for an example, I'm like, Dell, I got this great idea for a shirt. I don't know the first thing about who the can the campaign might be for or who it's going to help or benefit. I'm talking solely like, yo, I think this would be a kick-ass look or, or, or something for you should do with your shirts. Like, do you get people ever reaching out to you trying to say, can you do this shirt? Can you design this shirt this way or anything like that? Yeah, we do. We get, we get a lot of people. Um, we get a lot of a lot of designs submitted. Some of them are good. <laughs> Some are, are are passable and usable of all the design ideas that we get. You know, uh, I say it in jest just because we get so many. A lot of them. You appreciate anybody who takes the time, you know, to actually design something, come up with something, and you know, share it with us as a submission, right? You know, totally. I'm not saying that like patronizingly. Like I really appreciate. Does Josh get annoyed? <laughs> yes it's like yo I, yes. Can, I can come up with designs i know what i'm doing i don't need you telling me what i want <laughs> well it's not so much that no no we we very much welcome freelancers we want to work with freelancers we mm -hmm. want to you know work with you know 
people in Buffalo. We want to give people in Buffalo an opportunity to to help as well through their talents, right? But I would say, you know, Josh, understandably gets frustrated when how do I say this without sounding like a jerk? When some of the artwork that comes in leaves a lot to be desired. And right. sometimes uh, it's a, sometimes like if a, I submitted something, yeah. <laughs> it's sometimes like, uh, uh, I, I'll send something over. I'm like, can we work with this? And he'll be like, you don't have to redo this from scratch, right? <laughs> so they, there's been a couple of designs in the past where, you know, a local artist has submitted it and God bless them. You know, uh, they did their best. And we've basically just redid the entire design from scratch and still gave them credit. It doesn't happen that often, but there has been times where we've done that because we want to you know, we want to give people an opportunity to help, but yeah, there's, we get a lot of um, submissions. I mean, there's, and you know, I make jokes about the, the, the less than desirable ones that we get, but it's awesome when you come in on like Monday morning and there's an email in the inbox and it is like completely done. Artwork is finished. Here it is. Go ahead and use it. You know, I've got, I got a bunch of examples like that where just an awesome design literally just falls in our laps and we're like, uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> we'll run this right away. Yeah. Or, you know, as soon as we can. Um, so that that's that's a that's a nice thing as well too. You know, we've had some designs where just some of our best sellers were ones that we didn't think up, we didn't solicit, like just an artist just came in out of nowhere, which is amazing. And again, it's an honor when anybody wants to take their talents and use them to help us help others. Yeah. Let's uh let's finish up with segments that we do every week. Got a couple of them. We'll continue to add, uh, but for now we'll stick with what we've been doing. And one of them is I was today's years old. This is something that Dell and myself individually have learned over the past week or so that we probably a lot of other people maybe did, but we never did before. So we'll start with you, man. What What's your, I was today's years old for this week. I was today's years old, or I would say I was this week's years old when I realized do not change your birth date on Instagram to be anything under 13 years old. I thought I was being cute with our, and I haven't tweeted about this or anything. So this is breaking news. This is exclusive to the <laughs> your podcast. Um, I, I thought I was being cute and I changed the birth date on our Instagram account to November 11th, 2013, because that's the year that the brand launched. Immediately, as soon as I clicked submit that fast, I was locked out of the account. And it says, you're, you're underage. You're not allowed to use Instagram. We're going to delete your account. <laughs> no kidding, dude. Like, if this was a video podcast, I think people would see my face. Like, I freaked out. I freaked out. Uh, and it was just until literally 30 seconds ago, minute 30, I just got the notification that we're back in. So since last Wednesday, we have not been able to access our Instagram. We've not been able to post anything. We have probably customers that are in, a, in our Instagram DMs pissed off because we're not replying back to them. So it just now came back live. Thank you, Lord. I'm so happy. Uh, you know, <laughs> but it has been completely devoid of any content or, or touching. And when you see that message, like we're going to delete it. I mean, dude, I submitted the appeal like 10 times. Like that doesn't even like tell you if it goes through. I, I went through Facebook support. I learned you can chat with Facebook support. I learned that. Uh, that's another thing I learned this week's years old. Um, not easy to find that. Not easy to find that page. I was going to say, <laughs> I might want to talk to you off the air how you figured that out because I've tried that multiple times with zero success. Yeah, not easy. And, and not, not only that, like I was trying to get to Instagram support, which I don't think exists. So, uh, but it, I mean, I'm very happy. I'm excited. I cannot wait. 
no disrespect, to get off this podcast so we can jump back into the Instagram and get that back and running. But um, <laughs> do yeah, so a little PSA is do not change your your birthday. Like, like it, it's so frustrating. Like our first post was on 11, 11, 13. Might have even been a, a couple days before that leading up to the launch of the brand. And it says, oh, you're too young. What, have I been posting since I was like negative two days old? Like, what the heck? <laughs> so anyways, that's, thankfully that's, that appears to have been resolved. Wow. Well, mine's not that interesting, man. I was today's years old, and I know a lot of people are going to roll their eyes, especially younger fans, music fans. But I was today's years old when I learned how fascinating the Bee Gees career actually was because I watched a documentary this week on HBO Max called How Can You Man a Broken Heart? And it was about the Bee Gees. And I always knew they were very popular. I always knew they were very popular. I always knew that they had a bunch of hits, but I never really paid attention to their story. And, and it's actually really interesting. They were together as br three brothers, as kids, they were huge. They broke up when they were younger and they broke up for like two years and their relationships were estranged. Like they didn't even talk to each other. They all went out and they all got married. Then they came back and nobody cared for like two years. And then the disco era came. And they just put together this run of hits that's just unrivaled. They are the third, and I didn't know this, they are the third biggest selling group in the history of music behind the Beatles and the Supremes. They've sold 120 million records. Um, I mean, a lot of the story people know, like two of the three brothers are dead, Marie, and they died semi-young. Maurice died at 53, Robin died at 62, and Barry's still alive. But anyway, man, this is a incredible documentary. And I always knew they had a lot of hits, but I never knew the story behind them. Really cool. And by the way, one thing about disco, I know disco has the worst reputation ever. Like it's the worst music, the worst era of music ever. And one thing this um, documentary really highlighted is disco was actually really good at one time. It got terrible because it got so saturated with horrible music i mean they were making disco songs for cartoons and it just got out of hand and that's what made disco so shitty but anyway for a long time disco not a long time but a couple of years disco was actually cool and the bgs were a huge part of it so anyway long-winded here the i'm just fascinated i'm today's years old when i learned how fascinating the story about the bgs was you ever listen there to the bgs i mean i know you've listened to the bgs but are you, you don't strike me as a Bee Gees guy. <laughs> you strike me as a 90s alternative rock kind of guy. I don't think you're a Bee Gees guy, are you? Yeah, no. <laughs> in fact, my <laughs> wife and I have a, have a running joke about the Bee Gees work. I'm not even going to attempt to do it, but we, you know, we try to like um, imitate that that singing style. And uh, it's impossible. <laughs> I can't even do it. I can't, I can't even, like, my, brain, my voice doesn't go there. It's it's impressive that he can do it. And again, like music is subjective. And if anybody enjoys certain kinds of music, I think that's awesome. I think it's great. BG's not for me. <laughs> not for Del Reed, man. 120 million records sold. None of them went to Del Reed not or his household. But anyway, all right, fun with polls. Real quick here. Highmark Stadium now. What, what are your thoughts on that real quick, first and foremost? The new Bill Stadium name. Do you really care? I don't have a take because I really don't care. I don't care. I, I don't hate it at all. I, I don't love it. But, like, what am I going to love outside of – you know, Buffalo Bill Stadium. I thought that was great. <laughs> but, exactly. I said, well, I saw a poll and this is what fun with polls. So, or I, no, I didn't see a poll. I actually put the poll up myself. I don't know what the hell I'm saying. I saw a poll. I put this poll up earlier this week. 
I said, did you like the name Ralph Wilson Stadium better or Rich Stadium? Semi-close. 57% said Ralph Wilson Stadium. 42.8% said Rich Stadium. Of those two, did you have a preference? I mean, maybe, I guess, Rich Stadium, only because that was what I, you know, what I grew up with. Uh, but the Ralph was a really great moniker. You know, and I see a lot of people, like, with New Era Field, people have tried to say, oh, are we going to call it the Cap? And then, no, that never took. And people say, oh, are we going to call it, like, you know, the Shield? Because the, the new stadium name has, like, 75 syllables, one of which is Shield. Um, and it's like, no, Highmark high is an easy thing to say. If you're going to use the stadium name, if you're gonna, not going to just say, I'll always call it Rich Stadium or I'll always call it Ralph Wilson. Um, the Highmark, high is it's, it's a nice, clean name. It's not... You know, what, what's, the, what's the White Sox stadium? What I've been using as an example is guaranteed low-rate stadium or something like that, like guaranteed low-rate <laughs> field. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Like, right. fans, I think sometimes fans just want to complain because something's new and different and not what they expected. It's like, listen, guys, it wasn't going to be Mighty Taco Stadium. As much as we all wanted Mighty Taco Stadium, that was never in the cards. So we're going to have to deal with Highmark Stadium. It's okay. I got no problem with Highmark, and I got a feeling it's gonna, people are going to be calling it the Mark. I still call it the Ralph and I'm probably going to continue calling it the Ralph. Like, I don't think I ever called it new era field and it was no disrespect to new era. It's just the Ralph to me. That's what it is. Not a big deal, but yeah, people, it's that time of year, man. People just want to have stuff to talk about, I guess, because some people are making a pretty big deal of it. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, let's finish Mount Rushmore. So I got my revenge on Del Reed last week. He murdered me in week one with, by a margin that will never be surpassed. He beat me 94. Four to six. That's embarrassing. I got a little bit of revenge though this past week. So we did our Mount Rushmore of TV comedies. And by the way, Dell brought this up before we started taping. I need to put on Twitter that it's actually a draft because he wanted <laughs> Seinfeld, but I took Seinfeld before him. So he didn't get to have Seinfeld. But anyway, it was TV comedies. I had to recap, I had Office, Seinfeld, Shits Creek, Cheers. Dell had Arrested Development, Golden Girls, Parks and Rec and 30 Rock. I got a whopping 74.3% of the vote. Dell suffered at only 257 I'll give you some credit, though, because I feel like you went with critical hits more than, like, box office matches. Well, the Golden Girls was a box office hit, but Arrested Development and Parks and Rec and 30 Rock, those were more of, uh, like, critical hits. Like, people really loved them, but they weren't necessarily rating smashes. You know what I mean? So I'll give you credit for going outside the box a little bit. I regret nothing. <laughs> I regret nothing. Well, we're changing it a little bit this week. Instead of calling it Mount Rushmore, because I think everyone does that, we're going to start calling it a starting five. So it'll be Pat starting five, Dell starting five with different topics. So we'll get an extra pick. So we'll get five instead of four. Um, we're going to go, we're doing comedians this week. And I went first last week. And by the way, again, this is a snake draft, and I will put that up on the Twitter poll this time for fans to vote on. But yeah, we're going to go comedians. So I went first last time. You're going to go first. And then I'll get to, let me get uh, my notebook out here so I can write our stuff down. And uh, yeah, we'll begin. So you go first. Five, you're starting five comedians. Okay. Now this is in a strategic order. Because, you know, I think there's somebody who is probably tops that I think you might overlook. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to draft that comedian yet. Uh oh, so, it backfired, oh man! It could, it could, it could. It could. Um, so I'm going to go with Chris Rock. 
Chris Rock. Okay. I think he has terrific insight, um, especially his most recent one where he talked about, uh, I think it was called Tambourine. He talked about his, his marriage and his divorce and, um, and, you know, everybody knows Chris Rock. Everybody, everybody knows his, you know, his history. I think he's, I think he's hilarious. I think he's great. And I'm already talking long, way too much about this. Well, I have, well, I got to tell you, I had three guys at my top that are in my top tier and I'm going to have to leave one of them out. I'm not going to leave Eddie Murphy out. So I'm going Eddie Murphy. I have to, I grew up with him. Delirious. And Raw are to this day probably two of the the funniest stand-up comedy shows that I've ever seen in my life. In fact, Raw was so big at the time that it was actually a movie. Like people went to the movie theater to watch it. I I can't tell you for sure, but I think that I actually went to the movies to see it. I'm not positive. But anyway, Eddie Murphy for me is a semi-easy number one. This is why I really struggled. I don't want to say both guys in case you take the one that I don't. Oh, God. This is hard. I have to go, this might cost me. I don't know. We'll see. I got to go Richard Pryor. I got to go Richard Pryor. He's the reason why there is an Eddie Murphy. So everything that I said about Eddie Murphy and more, because Richard Pryor to me is, he might even be the, the greatest of all time in my book, man. He talked about topics that no one did at the time and drugs and all, you know, racism. He just, he did it better, I think, than anyone else. Tough call, man. Oh, I hate leaving someone out. But anyway, you're going to take one. You got, because now you're going to get your next (laughs) take. I was going to take either Eddie Murphy or Richard Pryor, depending on who you picked after my first. So you just took my next two, man. So thanks for that. Well, all right. So now you're on the board and you got two. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go with Robin Williams, who is absolutely fantastic, not only in comedy, but as a dramatic actor. Like he is he's in the, he's in the conversation for my favorite actor of all time, like across the board, um, you know, obviously gone too soon. Uh, but just, just fantastic. His energy, his energy was unrivaled. I mean, going all the way back to the date when he was on Mork and Mindy, mm -hmm. I remember that show when I was a little kid. Yeah. he, He was incredible. Yeah. So Robin Williams, that's, that's an easy one for me. And then, uh, next I'm going with Mel Brooks, who not really, I don't think he did a lot of stand up, but one of the, the, the funniest comedic writers of all time. I mean, really, you look at the, the movies that he's responsible for, you know, he did most of the writing and the story for a lot of those, um, just, you know, stuff that was really out there in terms of like even the subject matter that they would, they would cover. Like he's in some movies he just could not make now. You just couldn't make those movies today. Oh no, um, there's no way. Uh, the mighty Python. Wasn't he involved with the uh, space balls too? I, I'm, yeah. I don't I'm, I don't I'm, think Mel Brooks was involved with Monty Python unless I got, I'm making a gross mistake, but, but yeah, space balls was one of his, one space of his balls movies. was for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. Bla- Blazing saddles, young Frankenstein, the producers, uh, history of the world. Part one. I mean, there's, it's, there's a, <laughs> it's a long list of movies that he's responsible for. I just watched the producers again this past, this past weekend. Um, it's a classic. Just, yeah, it's a classic. And it's something, I mean, like, even though they remade it just back in, I think like in the late nineties, even now, I don't think they could make that movie now in, in 2021. I don't think you can redo whatever they made, whatever they made the most recent version with right. uh, Matthew Broderick. Um, and the actor's name is totally escaping me, which is ridiculous. Nathan Lane. Um, even now, I don't. I don't think you could. I don't think you could release that movie now. Um, but but yeah. So those are my two: Robin Williams and Mel Brooks. 
Well, you know, I should point out too that when you have a category this broad, it's really hard to get it wrong. I mean, these are all everyone you're saying. I'm like, wow, that's a great, you know, it's a great comedian. I'm pretty confident you'll feel the same way about what I do. So this is like a broad category. So it's really hard to get wrong. All right, so I got two now. So I went Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor. I ended up getting the third guy that I was scared that I wasn't going to get, and that's George Carlin. Love George Carlin. He had some of the, he was the best, I think he was the best ranter of any comedian that I ever heard. Like he had like legitimate subjects and just made them funny. I just saw one recently because of all the stuff that was going on with the election about presidents and he had this rant about how they don't give a shit about you. It was just a legendary rant. But anyway, George Carlin for me is a pretty easy one. I'm back to a, a tough decision because there's a few I really like. You know, I don't know how this will play with the audience, especially older ones, but I mean, you want Mel Brooks and that's an old dude. I'm going to go Rodney Dangerfield. His no oh, respect, come on. his no respect, his no respect shtick was one of the best ever. Back to school is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. He was awesome in Caddyshack. He was just funny on stage. Uh, yeah, man, I'm going to, I'm going to go Rodney Dangerfield. So George Carlin and Rodney Dangerfield. So now you're going to get your last two and then I'll get the 10th the pick, the last one overall. Man, I got to scramble here because I shook you a little bit. Didn't I, I? I, don't, I, don't, I I'm out. I got one other name and that's it. <laughs> I even have two more. Um, I, I didn't prepare well enough. So I'll go with the last guy I had on my list, uh, Carl Reiner, who, um, you know, father of Rob Reiner, who's funny in oh, his yeah. own right. But Carl Reiner is uh, at least, you know, among like the younger generations, like a forgotten comedian like unless you watch the oceans movies you think he's just that old guy you know is you know part of george clooney's troop but um he's good yeah he's great he was the writer for dick van dyke show i mean he's just a litany of comedic writing just without context like if people listen and they're listening to the context i think it makes it more of a fair fight. I fear, and this is one of the things we'll put in on Twitter. When you don't have any context and you just see the names, it'd be easier. Like I said, with the TV shows where I picked like box office successes and you picked more like critically acclaimed hits. We'll see how it plays out with the audience. But Kyle Reiner is one of those where I'm not sure how it's going to play out with the audience, but this dude's an icon, man. He's a legend. He, he is without question one of the funniest five to 10 people I've ever seen too. So that's a good pick. Yeah, after that, dude, I'm scrambling. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe I only have about Rushmore this time because on my list were, you know, uh, Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy and uh, George Carlin. You know, George Carlin had, you don't want to talk about insight. I mean, holy cow, that's just a whole next level uh, in, in terms of how he could critically analyze so many things. Um, and there were some sticks that he had that I didn't really care for. But at the end of the day, like, you cannot take away from him, like, the comedic mind. And that, that, that his ability to just dissect a situation and pull the absolute truth out of it in a way that, you know, made you laugh at the same time. What about like Kevin Hart? I mean, there's some new guys out there like Kevin Hart or, or Chappelle or. Yeah. There's a couple of guys on my, you know, I'd probably, I might go with if they hadn't been like canceled the past couple of years. <laughs> like, just, you know, so I'm not even going to breathe their names, but All right, so you um, got, so you got Chris Rock, Robin Williams, Mel Brooks, Kyle Reiner, and you got to have one more. I guess I'll, I'll pull, uh, pull something from your book and I'll go with Jerry Seinfeld. That's a good one. He's on my yeah. list. Actually. Seinfeld was funny. 
Um, my last one, I'm going to go. Do, 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 do. I mean, I, I, I can't leave him off. I, I got to go Dave Chappelle. I, I have to yet. go Dave Chappelle. Chappelle's show is probably one of the biggest uh, comedy shows in the last, what, 20 years or so. He's still funny. He's still relevant today. He's made a nice comeback. He disappeared. He fell off the face of the earth for a while and a lot of issues. And he's back and he's funnier than ever. So anyway, to recap, Dell's got Chris Rock, Robin Williams, Mel Brooks, Kyle Reiner, Seinfeld. I got Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, George Carlin, Rodney Dangerfield, Dave Chappelle. I'm going to say over under is going to Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to go with 82. I'm, I'm going to predict that I get 82% of the vote, Dell. I'm going to whoop you. Just you probably will. You probably will. Mine's, old. Mine's for old people. If there's some old people on Twitter, you know, vote for me, please. <laughs> All right, man. That will do it for this episode of Casual Friday. Big thank you to everyone out there as always for listening. If you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that right now. We got shows every Tuesday. I got Dell on every Friday. By the way, two weeks from now, I'm actually going to be in Buffalo. I'm going to go to the 26 Shirts office and I'm going to do this live with Dell. Well, tape it live anyway. So I'm looking forward to being able to do that. But anyway, subscribe. New episodes on Tuesday and Friday. We got bonus episodes scattered throughout the week. When you subscribe, you'll hear them before anyone else does. You'll get them sent right to your phone or whatever. But anyway, give Dell a follow on Twitter at Dell Reed. Go to 26shirts.com. Support their cause. The latest shirt again, kicking bass. Really cool shirt. Thanks as always for doing this, bro. And I, I look forward to talking again next Friday. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. And hey, uh, check out the 26 Shirts Instagram. It's now back in action. <laughs> you can cut that part out. <laughs>